0: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Greetings. I'm John Butler, Investment Director at South Bank Investment Research, and it's my pleasure to host this edition of the Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Welcome, Nigel. Thank you very much indeed, and what a week it's been. I, I can imagine... It's been very busy up north, uh, but there have also been developments across the pond, which uh, are political bombshells potentially. But anyway, maybe we should start here close to home.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we have a Conservative Party conference up in Manchester. It was British Sunak's first conference speech as prime minister and almost certainly his last conference speech as prime minister. I don't think it's very difficult to predict that. Um, Interestingly, of course, scrapping the HS2 extension was the big announcement of the week. Uh, Many uh, in big business in the Midlands of the North are very unhappy because they had big lucrative contracts. However, if he's sincere that the $36 billion they'll save from not building the extension was to be spent in a whole load of links, a brand new station at Bradford, uh, the link to Manchester or a link across to Hull. If all of those things did happen, then actually, longer term, for the economy of the North And for jobs, it would actually be far more positive than making London even quicker and closer. So we'll have to see how that plays out over time. I thought there were two very big disappointments from the week. uh, And that was, number one, on the illegal immigration stuff, they just had nothing to say. Nothing to say. They're they're, they're, they're not prepared to take on uh, the European Convention on Human Rights and therefore I think we'll make little progress. But the hollowest line, the hollowest line of the whole Sunak speech was when he basically portrayed himself as being the same as the grocer's daughter. The grocer's daughter, of course, being Margaret from Grantham, and him, you know, with a mum running a pharmacy in Southampton. And he said, we are the party of small business. Well, it sounded great, but to say that at just a few months after you put up corporation tax by 30%, and where you completely refuse to review the appalling IR35 rules, which make, like, make, makes life for independent contractors so blooming difficult that many people in their 50s just retire, just don't even bother to go, oh, I'm working, because they're not, you know, they can't put their allowable expenses against their income. I thought that was really shallow, and there was nothing there for entrepreneurship, nothing there for any business outside of the big corporates. And that was disappointing because it comes at the same time as perhaps some good news, which is despite all the projections and predictions, actually our growth has been better than France and Germany's since Brexit. Now, part of that, of course, is that we're getting a net migration rise of half a million a year, so more people does mean the bigger GDP. But really interestingly, Andrew Out to Lunch Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, you know, saying overnight that actually the city's in a better place because of Brexit, not a worse place, as had been predicted by George Osborne and everybody else. And even Rathi, the boss of the FCA, saying, really, Brexit puts our financial services industry in a much better position because we're now able to tailor legislation. To our industries, our markets. So, you've got some potentially quite good news out there. Uh, you know, the idea that Brexit economically has been a catastrophe, I think that's for the birds now. Uh, the problem is, I just don't see the last days of a Conservative government or an incoming Labour government using the opportunities in a better way. So, I conclude that relative to France and Germany, we're doing okay, but we should be doing quite a lot better. So let's not be too pessimistic about where we are economically, uh, but at the same time recognise that there are many wasted opportunities. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, you can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you.
0: Well, I'm sure you're not the only one who has that impression. And indeed, it's interesting to hear someone as establishment, as Andrew Bailey, even changing his tune now that the data show, as you've explained, that in fact, Britain has done relatively better uh, than its continental peers post-Brexit. But let's co- let's cross the pond for a second. There have also been some political fireworks uh, in the United States uh, over the past <laughs> few oh, just days. A bit. Just a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, there is a...
1: There is a hardline Republican gang, sort of MAGA supers, and they've always seen McCarthy, who I think is a thoroughly decent person. They've always seen McCarthy um, as being too much of the old guard compared to them. But then McCarthy's job is very difficult. You know, he's Speaker of the House with an absolutely wafer thin majority. And what McCarthy wanted to do was to stop another. Government shutdown, and so Matt Gates, who who you know is a friend of mine, and I know him, but Matt Gates is determined that not another penny should go to Ukraine. That a shutdown is actually desirable. He's managed to get seven other Republicans to vote to ouster, as the Americans uh, call it, um McCarthy as the speaker. It's never happened before in the history of the USA. um I think for the Republicans, it's a very bad look. You know, if you're really close into the weeds, you might say, oh, McCarthy sold out on this, or McCarthy sold out on that. But you you widen that out to to, to the bigger, broader electorate, I don't think it's a very good look. Um, And, you know, I think it may, as the next 39 days go by, and and that is the deadline until the next government shutdown really would happen, uh, you might see a little bit of nervousness on Wall Street, I suspect, over the course of the next few weeks as a result of what's happened. I must say, overall, when it comes to looking at equity markets and bond markets, I can't remember a time when informed opinion was more split, divided and confused as to what the economic messages are. Uh, No one knows quite what to do. Uh, Quite a lot of people out there, as I understand it, are taking out insurance, uh, buying put options against their established positions, we are at a very, very confused time.
0: Well, we're at a confused time politically and, as you say, in the financial markets. Here at South Bank Research, over the past few days, we've been noticing that an unusually high number of market cross correlations, when you look at cross interest rates, bond yields, uh, foreign exchange, commodities, equity markets, they're just not behaving vis-a-vis each other as they normally do. And that is uh, suggestive of building stress in the markets. Yeah,
1: yeah. Look, I think, you know, the risk of a bigger dip than a bigger rally is is really quite great. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we all know there's going to be a great big correction at some point in the next 12, 18 months. We just don't know when it is. But yeah, this, this, this indecision, um, unless something very positive comes into the markets, then we probably are in for a few shocks. Well, thank you for watching and I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a Fortune and Freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.